Welcome to Abide in Truth with Pastor Mike Hughes, a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel in Amid, Idaho. Join us as Pastor Mike leads us verse by verse through the Bible and shares with us the impacting truth of God's Word. Be sure to stay tuned until the close of our program to hear about some exciting news and special offers. We'll also tell you how you can obtain a full-length copy of this entire message. And don't forget, you can always catch up on Mike's teaching on our website at ccmit.org. We're currently going through the book of Luke in a series titled, The Uncommon Gospel. So grab your Bible, turn up the volume, and follow along with us. Here's Pastor Mike. Welcome to Calvary Chapel. We're so glad you're here this morning. We'll get right to it. Get your Bibles out and turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 7, verse 18 through 35, for a message titled, Doubt. I always love going through the Gospels because there's something about the red letters. You know, when we're reading what Jesus said, it's impacting to us. In fact, I think more impacting to us, but it's also more challenging to us. I don't know if you've discovered that, but, you know, going through the Sermon on the Plain and the other things that we've been going through, when Jesus speaks, you know, his soft word breaks a bone, (laughs) you know, doesn't it? I mean, it's like, wow. These are things that I have to really consider. And, and so a lot of weight to the things that Jesus is saying here and to the situation that, that we find ourselves in. And, and so last time, Jesus, after the Sermon on the Plain, he preached that very difficult sermon that we went through. The Sermon on the Plain challenging us in, in the way that we behave and by the way we treat our enemy is the way that the Lord's going to treat us. You know, those are the things that he talked about. You know, loving our enemies, doing good to our enemies, forgiving our enemies, those types of things. And then as he went towards Capernaum, he healed the centurion's son. And it was a long-distance healing, you know, one of those types of things. You know, they came, and he was going to go to the house, and he said, you know, you don't need to come to my house. Just say the word, and it'll be done. And he's like, okay. And, and then it happened over there, you know. It's just so cool. And then he's with his crowd and his disciples, and they head down south, quite a ways actually, to the city of Nain. And Nain, remember, was the farthest south city in Galilee. It's very far south. It's the last city you would go through on your way to Judea. And so you go through there, and you skip Samaria, and you go through that pinpoint corner of, the, of Galilee, and you go around down to Judea. And remember when Jesus was heading into the city of Nain, he met another crowd. He had his crowd, a crowd following the Savior, and another crowd following a casket. And in the casket was the only son of a widow who was behind the casket mourning. And of course, Jesus, as he did with every funeral that he attended, he ruined the funeral. He talks to the man, young man, arise, and he you know, sits up, and everybody's freaked out, and fear falls upon everyone, and he gives the man back to his mother. And then it tells us, the last we read, it tells us that these things spread throughout all Judea. And that's kind of setting the context for what we're looking at today. Because when that word got down to Judea, it got down to the Marconian prison where John the Baptist was being held by Herod Agrippa. Now you remember, if you studied the Bible, that Herod Agrippa, and it talked about this earlier on in the Gospel of Luke, Herod Agrippa had taken John and put him in prison, wanting to kill him, but being afraid of the Jews, so he didn't. He put him in prison because he had confronted him about the immoral relationship that Agrippa was having with his brother's wife. He basically stole his brother's wife, Herodias, and and so now she's his wife. Just a real twisted mess of a soap opera type of a thing. 
What's interesting about this, and, and you know, I think probably as growing up, I wondered, I was like, why did John the Baptist care what the, the political leaders were doing? Well, the thing was is that Agrippa, excuse me, not Agrippa, Antipas, it was Antipas. I'm, I get, those Herods, there's too many. And <laughs> you get them all confused. This is the other brother. The, it was Antipas. Antipas was a Jew. And, and we don't necessarily think of the Herods as Jews. Of course, King Herod the Great was an Idumean, but he married a Jew woman. And he had sons, and those sons married Jewish women. And they had sons, and that was, you know, th- those, those boys all were Jewish. How do you know you're Jewish? Does anybody know what the rule is for knowing you're Jewish? Anybody? If your mother was a Jew... And you were really a Jew if your grandmother was a Jew and your mother was a Jew. has nothing to do with your father. If you have a Jewish father and a Gentile mother, you are a Gentile. You have to convert to Judaism. Why? Well, because you always know who the mother is. Right? It's no question. And so if your mother was a Jew, you are a Jew. And so this, he would have been considered a Jew. And that's still true today, actually. And so looking at him, John would confront him saying, hey, you're claiming to follow the law, you're claiming to be Jewish, and you have taken your brother's wife, and that is wrong, it's sinful. And so he took him and put him in prison, and he stuck there. And so now he hears this news of Jesus up in the north having this heyday, you know? Demons are cast out, people that are sick are healed, lepers are cleansed, and the dead, and this was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back, the dead are raised. And if that's true, then why am I still in prison? It says in verse 18, then the disciples of John reported to him the things concerning all the things, all these things, and John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to Jesus saying, are you the coming one or do we look for another? I don't know if his disciples witnessed any of those things or they just heard of them, but they quickly bring them to John's attention. And we have to understand John's been in prison for some time now. And he knew that his life was on the line. He knew that any moment he could be killed, especially if if Herod Antipas would have figured out that it would have pleased the Jews to kill John, he would do it immediately. It wouldn't be till later when Herod Antipas in a drunken stupor would see his stepdaughter, it's really creepy, do some provocative dance for him and, and in his drunkenness would offer her up to half the kingdom. And her, her mother, who was upset about John and what he'd said, he, she said, ask for the head of John the Baptist. And of course, that would be granted to her and the, the head of John the Baptist on a platter would be brought to this young girl. It's a horrible situation. But what we're seeing John have here in this, in this passage is a crisis of faith. It, it isn't that he doesn't believe in Jesus' miracles. It's just that he is going through a difficult time. It has been sustained. And in that difficult time, he is having a hard time reconciling that if Jesus is the Messiah and I'm supposed to be his front runner, then why doesn't he come and spring me out of this prison? And I think we can all relate to that when it comes to John, to be locked up in some sort of prison, in some sort of situation. And maybe it's a situation where you're in chronic pain, or maybe it's a situation where you've lost a child, or a child has cancer, or you've gone through a divorce, or something happened that doesn't make any sense to you in in the context of your Christian belief. God, why am I going through this? Why do I have to go through this? And I have to try to put myself in John's sandals for a moment. 
How would I deal with it when my expectations of God's healing or deliverance or rescue or help or exoneration or supply are not meant, not met in my way or in my time? How do I process that? How do I deal with it? How do I answer that? And it's easy to blame myself. You know, God's not coming to me because of what I've done or I'm bad or or I've I've made some mistake. Or maybe God hasn't come to me because God is upset with me or maybe God is just ignoring me. And John's expectations are not going to be met. I mean, we all find ourselves in difficult situations from time to time. And, And I think at first we have some patience with it. You know, it's like, well, this has happened, but it's going to be interesting to see how the Lord works it out. But then he doesn't. And time goes on. And nothing gets better. And it's been months, and it's been years. And it's been difficult. And I have to come to the realization that, hey, maybe what my expectations of God are, are actually not biblical. Because does God promise me An easy life or health or wealth or prosperity? Absolutely not. It says in John chapter 16, verse 3, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. That sounds good. In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. That's interesting. It's almost as though he's saying, in the space of your trial, in the space of your pain, in the difficulty that you're facing, there is a window, a window to God, a window of peace, and a window of overcoming that is given to us as believers that we would never have had we not gone through the trial. I have to hold on to the reality that God allows and even sometimes prescribes difficulty in my life for the greater purpose of what he has planned, either for my benefit or my growth, or maybe for his purpose that I don't even know about. Because sometimes it wouldn't be for my benefit or my growth if I'm just tortured and then executed. But here's something that I find interesting. You know, reading biographies, I love reading biographies, and reading about Richard Warmbrand, who was tortured for Christ. In fact, that's the name of his book, Tortured for Christ. As he was taken in Romania and put into a Romanian prison and tortured mercilessly for, for years on end. That it was in the midst of that torture, it was in the midst of that pain and the difficulty that he suffered there, that Jesus met him in a special way. To the degree that when he was let out, He feared even being given something to satisfy him at all. When they tried to offer him some fresh strawberries, he said, no, I don't want the glory of the presence of the Lord to depart by anything that would distract from my focus on him. Thanks again for listening to Abide in Truth with Pastor Mike Hughes. If you would like a copy of today's sermon in its entirety, call us at 208-365-0991. Or send us a text at 208-991-2756. Be sure to mention today's date. You can also listen to Pastor Mike's latest message on our website at ccemmett.org. And don't forget to search for Calvary Chapel Emmett on iTunes and YouTube. Remember to hit subscribe when you're there. Thanks again for listening. And remember, always abide in truth. Until next time, God bless. Abide in Truth is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel in Emmett, Idaho.
Calvary Chapel of Emmett would like to invite you to watch our services live on Facebook. You can watch us every Sunday morning at 8.30 or 10.30. Just go to our page, Calvary Chapel of Emmett, and scroll down for the live service. It is an interactive experience. While on our page, feel free to watch previous Sundays as well. So join Calvary Chapel Emmett Sunday morning at 8.30 or 10.30 on Facebook. We look forward to seeing you. Calvary Chapel of Emmett would like to offer you a free gift for joining us today. Right Now Media. Right Now Media has been called the Netflix of Christian Bible studies. With over 30,000 Bible studies and discipleship videos, there's even tons of Christian cartoons for the kids. To get your free account to Right Now Media, just visit our website at ccemmett.org forward slash right now. That's ccemmett.org forward slash right now. And God bless you.